Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another Raw Talk with Sheena. I'm here today with one of my most special and amazing healers. Her name is Noelle Eanes. Say hi, Noelle. Hi, Sheena. Hi, everyone. So, Noelle's so awesome. She's been treating me, which I know is a task, for about a year and a half. And I was the largest baby in the world when I started seeing Noelle because she's obviously a, a very... Um, trained acupuncturist and markets her services being acupuncture in New Orleans and she's very well known and and esteemed for her practice but of course when she met me I was like I'm 100% not okay with the needles all over the body sort of situation so she introduced me to a special practice that she practices still today and is one of the only practitioners or are you the only practitioner in Louisiana? As far as I know, I am. Okay, so this special practice is called Shakaju Therapy. It's the Japanese form of acupuncture in which the needle does not actually penetrate your skin, which is a really interesting sort of sensation because despite the fact that the needles are not penetrating your, your skin, a huge surge of energy can be felt in this process. And of course, Noelle's going to go into a little bit later as to why that is the case, but just a little bit more information on Noelle. She is a licensed acupuncturist and wellness consultant based here in New Orleans, lucky for us. She specialized her training in Eastern medicine, including classic Chinese five element acupuncture, NADA detox, Japanese needleless shakaju therapy, Qigong and Reiki. She also coaches clients using emotional freedom technique EFT, which is one of my favorite things Mm -hmm. because it makes people think that I'm crazy when I'm tapping all (laughs) over my body and self and I'm like, it's okay because I'm chilling out. (laughs) Meditation and empowerment drawing on her training as a certified infinite possibilities trainer. Her passion is helping clients heal and create a deeper, more loving relationship with themselves, their bodies, and their tribe. Meditation, writing, helping people heal, and international travel are a few of her favorite things to do. Welcome, Noelle. Thank you so much, Sheena. That was beautiful. <laughs> you wrote it, so that's why. <laughs> so, Noelle. Maybe it's just you that's beautiful. <laughs> You're beautiful, Noelle. So, we're recording again from the Meditation Energy Crystal healing room at Raw Republic. So we're surrounded by crystals and lots of beautiful energy and especially that being Noelle because she treated someone in this room today. And so, um, so Noelle, I just want to start by talking a little bit about your practices and how you got into learning your, all the modalities that I just listed, like what kind of started that process for you? Mm-hmm. The very start of it, I guess the inspiration for me to go down this path uh, probably happened when I was still an undergrad and I was studying to go to law school and I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. Uh, I didn't know that. And I, yeah, yeah, I did. I thought that's what I wanted to do because I wanted to help people. And to for me, that was just, I thought changing laws in order to help people would be the best thing for me to do but the universe decided otherwise and through a series of events I found myself at uh, Maryland University of Integrative Health and the moment I walked through the door I just went to check it out and the moment I walked through the door I was like okay this place feels different and I sat in on a class it was called clinical observation and it had a student practitioner and a client and the founder of the school was actually called Bob Servation because his name is Bob Duggan. <laughs> I love you, Bob. Uh, and it was so amazing to watch the transformation that happened in the hour of that class. After the class, it was like, drop the LSATs, immediately applied, did everything wow. I needed to do to go to school there. I had to go back and take some anatomy courses before I could be um, accepted into the graduate program there. And then um, from then on, it was, you know, just full force ahead. I didn't think twice about it. It just felt like the right thing to do. Amazing. Yeah. So that's where I studied for five element acupuncture. And then once I graduated, 
you know, I'm like, yes, I have this master's degree, but I want to learn everything. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of, I went a little nuts and I studied yoga and I studied Qigong and I, I just kept studying and learning. I studied feng shui for a while and, um, I went through almost a year of meditating on a daily basis where I really, there were points of, in, along that time in, in that year where I thought I was wasting time because no one around me was doing it. It was very organic. It was mm-hmm. very much, um, a thing that I did for myself mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if it was going to have any value. And now when I look back on that time, I was like, wow, that was so valuable. So those were sort of that, it was, it was that time after school where I was studying everything and I was diving deep into meditation. And, um, in that year, I also, through the process of meditation, started finding law of attraction and I started just exploring all these different, um, people who I was drawn to, mm-hmm. you know, like the message felt right. And the people right. I was drawn to, and I was really drawn to Mike Dooley. Mm-hmm. I saw him in the secret and I was something about him just resonated with me. He was very down to earth and, and sincere. And there was something about him that just, um, I don't know. I just really connected. Resonated. With. Mm-hmm. And it was probably a collection of a time in which you were connecting with yourself so deeply that you were able to very quickly see, right. okay, you were probably exposed to so many people, so many practitioners, so many modalities during and after that time, but because you were so connected with yourself, you could very clearly make decisions based on what would be most beneficial to your life. Right. Without being super logical about it so you know it wasn't very conscious it wasn't it was just like this feels right and and of course the events and the um circumstances lined up perfectly because it was like I I found Mike Dooley and I was like oh that that guy resonates with me and then all of a sudden I started I I was getting the emails from tut.com notes from Mm -hmm. the universe and then I saw infinite possibilities training and it just so happened to be on my birthday (laughs) in January where I was I was and it was happening I love in, those kinds in of Seattle. Yeah. It was happening in Seattle and I was already going to visit my mother in Seattle. So it was like just this trifecta of like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I don't really you know. You must do this. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I went there and it was, it, it sort of helped weave in all these different things. Um, to your practice. Yeah. Well, all these, because I think that, with five element acupuncture, there is a lot of acknowledgement of the relationship between the practitioner and the patient, right? And they and and because we're dealing with energy, there's sort of this unspoken in Chinese medicine, at least how I was taught. There's an there's an unspoken but yet spoken sort of like how do we talk about the idea of consciousness and how that affects the outcome of the treatment. But because we're trying to fit into a more Western model, you know, we're fo- they, they began to focus more on symptoms. Just treating symptoms. Yeah, just treating symptoms. Not an underlying cause of well, illness. They, they treat the underlying pattern, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of acknowledgement between my, as a practitioner, my consciousness and the person lying on the table, their consciousness, and that mattering in terms of treatment Mm -hmm. outcomes. It's sort of like, it depends on the practitioner, but it's sort of like this thing you don't really talk about. Like you want to keep a professional, you want to just get the pattern down. So like liver chi stagnation or something like that. And then you do the points for that. So it's sort of like the idea of consciousness is there, but not really acknowledged as something that, that that is standard. Like you figure that out on your own and Mm -hmm. don't really talk about it. Does that make sense? Yes. So to break it down for, for the listeners, when you're talking about five element acupuncture, Mm -hmm. you're relating to a Chinese model of acupuncture. Yes. Most likely. Yes. Which is classical Chinese, classical, Mm -hmm. traditional, and it's, it's very physical in nature. Um, well, and energetic kind of, yes, but not so spiritual. There's an acknowledgement of spirit there, but it's, it's hard to explain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's 5,000 years old plus. Mm -hmm. Basically what they describe is the, um, a very, it's beautiful. Five element acupuncture is absolutely beautiful. And yes, there's a, there's a discussion of spirit, but there's not a discussion so much 
about consciousness mm -hmm. and how okay. that affects the outcome. So you, it's as more a, about the effect of the energy. Uh -huh. And yes, I I am deciding which points to do based on pulses, based on the diagnostic things that I'm I'm looking at with the person. But in terms of when I put a needle in. I step away, and the needle does the work, and mm -hmm. the client does the work. Where Shakaju therapy uses the five-element model as a framework, mm -hmm. so I'm very familiar with it. Mm -hmm. But the Japanese method actually acknowledges my consciousness and, and even, even visualization as a way to move energy, which... Which brought in all, brought in these other things that I started getting through meditation and what I learned from from infinite possibilities that really you know are consciousness to you. well right consciousness is um, does direct energy and so it was so cool to just have it was just like all of these things falling into place that were just really cool and I love it I'm still learning more I mean you know I'm still. I'm constantly growing and constantly learning, but mm -hmm. yeah. but you have a practice that is so solid because you have accessed a point in yourself mm -hmm. that allowed you to evaluate what would work best for you, which is right. which is what I look for in all of my healers that mm -hmm. they are connecting to uh, the most authentic parts of themselves, right. so that. It's very clear when you see this practitioner that this practitioner has a very good connection with what this practitioner can do in this realm. And with that, also, you know, the importance of, of themselves and their own growth and their own interest in the field, that creates such an amazing healer because that healer is not bound by one modality. Right. They're bound solely by um, a commitment to their own practice based on their own interest and their own talents. Mm -hmm. And that's something that can transpire through t time and different clients. And, and it's just a more pure and authentic connection with, with the clients and then also um, with the practices, mm -hmm. even though it may be bending some of the rules. Right. <laughs> Trust me, even doing this podcast, I'm like, oh <laughs> crap, am I saying the right thing about Bible of the Naki Voucher? But yeah, okay. it's, it's really? like that. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I can tell you that I know, and I hope that somehow Bob Duggan and Diane Connolly hear this, but because they're the founders of that school, I know that they know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And they were very eloquent in their, they, they, they taught this without really teaching it. Mm -hmm. And I remember so many times, it's just like the old Zen masters, you know, they try to confuse you in order so to you have you it reach it, right. Mm -hmm. And to have you reach your own conclusions. And it was sort of like that. I remember so many times in class, my classmates and I would just look at each other like, and mouth like, what the, what, like, what, <laughs> really? Like we used to draw cartoons in mm -hmm. class and pass them over to each other. Like, really? Like, this is so funny. But now, I mean, years later, I can look back and be like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, now I totally get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the time, it was just like, what? Right. You know? What's but, the importance of this? Well, yeah, it was... Yeah. In that way, mm -hmm. the structure. Yeah. So, I think, well, I think the thing is that people who found schools, mm -hmm. they found something that worked for them really well. And then they wanted to teach it. And then from there, it's our own human responsibility to see what works best for us. Just, I mean, right. basically what we were saying earlier. Because, you know, you can learn a language. And a language is a way to communicate. Mm -hmm. But the way that you communicate and the way that you mold that language becomes uniquely yours and works best for you. Mm -hmm. And it so is the same for something as important as healing especially when you have you have talents and you have the capacity to do healing to your utmost capacity when you are connected with your own personal power and integrity yes so okay so you you <laughs> you did that in Massachusetts 
Maryland. Okay. Maryland. And then Seattle for the infinite possibilities. Yes. And then you studied Shakaju therapy. Yes. So Shakaju actually came about almost by accident. And it's another beautiful accident where a friend of mine referred me to an acupuncture. No, how did I meet him? I think I met him at a church one day. You know how the world works. It's so cool. So I met this guy at a church at a, um, I think it was a Christmas concert. His name is Ted Annenberg, and he's a fellow acupuncturist, right? We chit-chatted a little bit about, he told me about his practice, and he had a really busy practice, and he's like, why don't you come and watch what I do? And so I was coming to visit him not knowing anything about his practice. I didn't look at his website. Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go check it out one day. And I didn't really think too much about it. So when I went into his office and sat in on a couple treatments, I was just mesmerized by what he was doing. Because this was something I... We weren't ever taught this in school. Even We weren't even taught that this was a style of, of practicing acupuncture. And so watching him do Shakaju and watching people walk out of there, I mean, there were times where there were people who walked out in tears because they felt so much better mm-hmm. than when they came in. Mm-hmm. And so I was just fascinated. So I studied with him. I just you know, apprenticed with him basically for about six months. And then I moved to New Orleans. And it was a lovely move. It was very sad to leave all my loved ones in Maryland. But I moved here. And once I was here... I got the opportunity to study with Sensei Kobayashi, who developed Shakaju therapy. And I studied with him in Hawaii. So, so it was so hard. I and had, so to, I had to go to the big <laughs> islands. <sighs> yeah, so I studied with him in Hawaii, and um, that was beautiful and wonderful. I came back to New Orleans and continued to do it here, and I love doing it. Okay, so, so cool. give someone an idea of what Shakaju looks like. Versus acupuncture, because everyone knows what acupuncture looks like. Right, what it looks like. So we use an instrument called a shakaju needle, which looks from, if you just look straight on, it would look like an acupuncture needle if you didn't know any better. But the very tip of it is rounded instead of sharp. So it does ne- it will never penetrate the skin. And uh, we, what we do with that is called contact needling. And we're basically just making contact with the very tippy top layer of the skin and then moving on to the next place. So contact kneeling. We also use another instrument called a tation. Mm-hmm. And a tation is, uh, is a tool. looks shaped similarly to a needle, much thicker. And it's made of a precious metal. So they can be made of gold, silver, or copper. And they're d- different sizes. And they're beautiful. I mean, you get them handmade and mm-hmm. they're gorgeous and they're fun to work with so those are the two main tools that we use and then uh, because a lot of shakaju is the treatment is uh, focused on the spine and sort of strengthening your core energy where we will also use moxa which is a method of burning an herb called artemis mugwort mm-hmm. so we'll use that on top of you know, tender spots on the spine mm-hmm. or places like that. So it's very restorative and lovely, wonderful. It is. Yeah. It 100% <laughs> is. So acupuncture, for those who are still kind of confused, looks, you know, when the process is complete of where the practitioner feels there is any sort of depletion or stagnation, the needles are in, you know, very beautifully placed centers that will assist in the movement of that chi or um, like to to break up the stagnation or to um, move the energy to areas of depletion. And then, so, you know, when you're done with an acupuncture session or the practitioner has completed their, um, I guess, their evaluation of what you need, then the needles are placed in those energy centers for those purposes. And they, the practitioner generally walks out of the room and you're just kind of in there, kind of in a meditative, very relaxed state. And so the difference between that and what Noelle does with Shakaju is that when she's practicing Shakaju, it actually requires her presence to move the needle to these energy centers. So she is actually practicing on you physically the entire time, as well as through her consciousness. Yes. So that is the beauty of that practice. You know, 
I do th I did see I don't it, it's just two totally different practices I love acupuncture for some purposes once I got over it but it's still some sort of like a an invasion like I still sometimes feel a little bit uncomfortable like sweaty like holy shit don't can't move because like if you move sometimes the the your nerves will like react and it will feel a little uncomfortable and of course like I'm the most since Noel treats me like I'm a five-year-old like <laughs> the five-year-olds get the same treatment that I get <laughs> which is fine but like I'm saying this from a very sensitive perspective most people can have needles all over their body and probably much thicker ones and not experience these things but when I'm when I'm receiving shakaju therapy, it's I can because again I'm am very sensitive and because I also practice energy work, I know what is collectively happening, and so my consciousness connected to Noelle's consciousness, and then following the movement of this needle in like to these energy centers with the power of her presence is, I mean the first time you touched me, I was I started bawling crying. <laughs> Which is very unique for me. I don't. It was. It was very. Looking back, it's clear that there was, there was a lot of blocked energy and um, probably blocked chakra centers and things like that that you had access just by your touch. So, it's just a testament to your being like such an amazing healer and someone who has placed the intention that you want to heal. Because just that allows you to access, someone, access someone's energy and thereby provide some sort of healing for yeah. them. So, yeah. I mean, Noelle's amazing. If you get a chance <laughs> to come here, like, 100%, book an appointment with her and in advance because she books up. But, um, okay, so so you started doing Shakaju therapy and integrating that into your practice and then... I mean, we have to talk about something else that is so big in your life, which is Bali. Oh, yeah. And just, like, what... I love talking to you because you you are a mover and, like, an action taker. And it's, it's, it's um, very obvious that you're operating in a, a state of mind that nothing happens by chance, the universe has your back, the universe is supporting you, there are infinite possibilities for every circumstance and situation, and so you have very clearly put yourself in situations that have brought so much color and interest to your life, and would you say that Bali was one of those experiences? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't be on a beautiful island for a month and not... <laughs> I don't know these things. <laughs> I have not been on oh. an island for a month. Well, you're coming. You're coming. We're going to, we'll talk. We're going there soon. <laughs> anyway, um, no, Bali was great. And Bali, you know, when I went there, my original intention was to meet a shaman mm -hmm. and study under a shaman because, because I have such a voracious appetite for information. Right. It, when, when I got to New Orleans, um, so I've only lived here for about two years. It feels much longer. But it feels when so I got to longer. New Orleans, I met a shaman, and I was fascinated by this whole idea of shamanism. And mm -hmm. I had met some shamans before in Maryland, but they didn't really – it wasn't the right time for me. It didn't call to me at all. But this time, I was like, wow, this is something. But it still kind of scared me. What's the difference between a shaman and a healer? From what I understand, a shaman sort of travels between worlds. Okay. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to speak to it without, you know, without really knowing for sure. But I know that they do a lot of energy work. We can and have traveling. a disclosure that no one here is to <laughs> receive this information as like defined and direct right. knowledge is, from Wikipedia or a dictionary. This is our interpretation of the word shamanism, which I'm right. sure does have many interpretations. Yeah. Yeah. So to you, it's a seer. I think the actual mm -hmm. term is seer, something like that. But so these these people will go and they'll tap into your energy fields. They can tap into, you know, different uh, realms and just dimensions. You know, yeah, there and there okay. are so many different uh, um, traditions of shamanism, right, from different parts of the world. 
so anyway, so I met this guy who's a shaman here in New Orleans. Really cool guy, but I was still kind of scared by it because there is a darkness to it. Mm-hmm. And there's a darkness to life, you know, so I, it's not that I'm not acknowledging that, but I was like, oh, you know, shamanism yeah. fascinates me, but I don't know. And then I went to Oregon to visit a friend of mine and had a, a, my own treatment by a shaman, not knowing that I was going to a shaman. He was just like, I want you to go see this woman. Mm-hmm. She's my healer. Mm-hmm. And she's awesome. And I was like, oh, sure. <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. And then when I went in, and her name is Isa. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mind me throwing it out there. But Isa is just so, it's like you. I got into the little room, and I'm sitting there before she gets in, and I'm just taking in the surroundings, and it's like, crystals and essential oils and you know feathers like just very everything we love all the <laughs> yeah. and it just felt really good and when she came in she immediately she immediately tapped into what was going on and was able to to speak to some of the life experiences I was having at that time with a level of of just honesty mm-hmm. and clarity that I was like, okay, this is great. And when I got on the table, she did some crazy stuff, you know, like there was, there was howling like a wolf <laughs> there. <laughs> I mean, there, but, but there was such movement in me mm-hmm. that it was like tears coming down, all these physical body sensations. I mean, it was amazing. It was incredible. When I left, that session, there was some physical um, residual effects that were unmistaken. Like she didn't put, she didn't insert anything into me. She didn't really even touch me that much. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the work she was doing was, was energetic, energetic mm-hmm. right? But I got into the car and there were like places in my body that were really sore, mm-hmm. and I was so tired, right. like extremely tired. I had to drink tons of water, and but then I felt also super clear, you know? So it was just like... And this is the first time that you had experienced yes. something like this. Okay. Yeah, so that was the first time I had experienced my own session with a shaman. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, I was like, I was hooked. I was like, I'm going to learn. I want to learn what they're doing. I want to learn how they're doing it. I'm going to be a shaman. I wanna, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to be a shaman, but I really was fascinated by it. Like, by this how they're is, doing it. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, very effective. I mean, some things in my life that we were working on then actually occurred because of the session that I had with her. Mm-hmm. And one of those things was actually meeting my boyfriend and he is the reason why I even decided to go to Bali. We did that together mm-hmm. because of his involvement in, in Bali already. So it's it's just so fascinating. So when I went to Bali, my intention was, okay, universe, I want to study with a shaman. And there are tons of shamans in Indonesia. And I had someone in mind that was a friend of a friend that I thought we might I might be able to link up with because you can't really make appointments with someone you know like from overseas you kind of just have to be there <laughs> mm-hmm. um, someone has to know someone yeah to hook you up with a shaman yeah and it's you know and I and I kind of went without just like you said hoping that the universe would just provide me with the right opportunity mm-hmm. well it turns out that that didn't happen mm-hmm. during that month there but what did happen is I got to see just so many incredible parts of the Balinese culture and spent time with people. And I was lucky enough to sit in on a, a full moon ceremony there and to travel to different What's parts a full of moon Indonesia. Ceremony? Indonesia. Is it like a Japanese? Or don't people do that quite often in Thailand or Japan? I, I don't know. I don't know. Ceremony. Well, I know it, for them it was just a religious ceremony, you know, and I think they do it on the full moon for for reasons that I think even most modern Balinese people might not really know from, I used to, I was asking them tons of questions and they were kind of like, this is just what we do. You know, like there's no, like just follow me. This is what we do. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I mean, in Bali, everything is about, is about flavor and color and textures and smells. And, you know, they have these little offerings that they put out all the time with little moss and some flowers and some incense and, um, it's just such a beautiful culture. So I got to experience that, and we got to travel around to around Bali and around to, uh, different islands, Gili Islands and Lombok, and 
yeah, I was really inspired by the trip. And um, more to come about that because I have some retreats in mind Yay. for later. But, yeah, there, so it was a fruitful experience, not exactly what I, what I wanted. Right. Right? Like, I didn't mm-hmm. meet the shaman of my dreams, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm certain that it, when the time is right, it will happen. Right. Yeah, but Bali is incredible. I mean, it's the island of the gods, island of love. So is it all tropical? Yeah, it's, Yes. All of Bali is like being on an island. Well, Bali is an island. It is Indonesia. (laughs) When I think of Indonesia, I'm so geographically not intelligent. I wish there was a map in front of me right now. I hope that everyone else knows where Bali is. But if you had to tell someone. Yes. I know where Africa is. I know where (laughs) Europe is and Asia. Is it right kind of in the middle? I love you. Um, (laughs) Yes. So... Indonesia, you think of the words, you break them down, it's like India mm-hmm. and, and Asia, kind of. It's okay. sort of like, right, it's in the sea, um, right near that area. So, like, in between India and Asia. It's mm-hmm. really close to Australia as well, actually. Australia is just south of Bali. Oh, okay. So, the Indonesian islands are the largest archipelago in the world. So, it's all these little islands. I think... There's tens of thousands of islands that make up Indonesia, and Bali is one little island Wow! in Indonesia. Yeah. This is the only way I can learn information is by talking to someone because there are people, so, and I've, I'm so lucky because there are so many people around me who are researching and reading, and the only way that I've been able to collect the information that is of interest to me is to have people around me that know about the things that I'm interested in because it's just, I don't know, it's just the way, the way that I learn. Yeah. I Whereas you love that. research and reading. I do. I don't always remember it though, so. <laughs> but you remember, but it's the way that you learn. So you right, read and like you remember what you need. Just like when I talk, I right. talk to so many people all day, every day, there's mm-hmm. only a certain collective of information that I remember. Right. I will rem- now remember that. Bali is an island, the the largest island in Indonesia? I don't think it's the largest island. Uh, Indonesia is the largest archipelago, which means a group of islands. Do you think that so many healers collect there because of its geographic location? Hmm. Or because of its beauty? Like, why are there so many healers in Bali? It just... I think it's a. I think it's a number. Is it of because things. of eat, pray, love? <laughs> like, why do we think? Why do we? Yes, is that actually? I really think that that probably had a huge impact on the island. The no joke. Mm-hmm. No joke. Well, the island itself is. I mean, it's not even a perception. It's a lot of that stuff is is real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously it's a little more authentic in real life than it's in the movie. But you know the. It's just, it's a beautiful island. The people are loving and sweet. And there's so much, like I said, just color and texture. Everything is about, um, it's, there's so much feeling there. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the way I could describe it, there's just, there's a lot of love and there's a lot of feeling. And like the food, the way the people treat each other, mm-hmm. the colors, the flowers, nature, incense, even their ceremonies. They're super colorful and they put a lot of, time and effort into it and they have little little communities that take care of each other mm-hmm. i mean it's it's just a beautiful island and it's the it's the only hindu island at, oh wait i don't know if it's the only hindu island i don't say that but it is there might be another one mm-hmm. <laughs> my limited um i'm gonna you know you're inspiring me to go take it <laughs> take some history no, classes don't about do that <laughs> But it's it's Hindu, and as far as I, I'm aware, most of the other islands in Indonesia are not uh, Hindu. They're Muslim. Okay. And so because of that, they have a whole... There's just a different flavor to Bali than, mm-hmm. than the other parts of Indonesia. So I think it's that, and it's also because they have more expats there. It's easier for people to go there and be able to communicate in English. And um, so I think it's all of those things that draw people to Bali, you know, I'm it's, so glad that you went and scoped out the territory for me before I get there. <laughs> I have to go. It's, it's like one, have I have to, to go will. there into India, I think. I mean, actually, I don't know. Maybe I will just meditate and, yeah, you'll, and arrive there. 
yeah. in my mind. Maybe I can travel that way yeah. if it's necessary. I just ask that whatever I'm supposed to see in this lifetime, I see. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter to me. Well, if you want where I go. Right, right. I mean, I just think about what you're doing here at Raw with the flavors and mm-hmm. the colors and the aesthetics that you have. And I just, like, Bali would be a place for you to go, especially just to get inspired. But some of the best food, organic, fresh food and juices I've ever had in my life have been in Bali, hands yeah. down. Just Honestly, I, I feel truly deeply in my heart that people say the same thing about our juices here mm-hmm. because they are created with the intention of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, every single day, everyone here is hugged by someone. It's, it's known immediately in the kitchen if something is going on with someone or, yeah. um, and it's addressed in a loving and considerate way. Mm-hmm. We have, we have a really supportive team in so many different ways. Obviously we have an acupuncturist here, a Shakuji therapist here. A, we have life coaches, we have naturopathic doctors, and they've always been a part of the concept for the purpose of my intention has always been to have a community mm-hmm. of people that are working together to achieve something that is meaningful and feels good. Yeah. And so the employees are kind of, um, they they are supported so they are capable of supporting other people mm-hmm. in their healing journey. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I think that when people think of raw and our our food and our juices here, it's not just the ingredients. Like you give someone else the recipe and it wouldn't taste the same and I do think it's because it's created in the vibration of love. Yeah. So that's probably the connection that you're seeing. Yes. Obviously, because you're yes. stating that it's such a loving an yes. amazing place in Bali because of like the love centered yes. community, Absolutely. which is, I mean, how could you not have a beautiful experience of everything when everyone is just doing is operating from the standpoint of we are supported. We are a, a loving community. We are here for one another and we're here to experience the joy of the world. Mm-hmm. In the, from that standpoint, what is there? that is vibrationally low. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... Honestly, (laughs) mostly the tourists. I mean, the people of Bali, I have seen... You know, we didn't didn't travel only in, like, the shishi spots. You know, we traveled all around Bali Mm -hmm. on a motorbike. We got to see some of the places that are really remote. And but even in those really remote places, there was a sense of joy and love from from the outside. You would look at this house with like, well, first of all, chickens run wild everywhere there. But it would be like chickens mm-hmm. and like a mangy mm-hmm. dog and you know an old bike <laughs> and just you know it wouldn't look very. You wouldn't look at that from the outside and think, well, these people are living well, quote unquote, by what what we think in our Western right. culture. But then you would see you know, the little baby come out super smiley and they love babies in Bali. They love (laughs) babies. They love like strangers will love your baby in Bali. Like Mm -hmm. babies are so esteemed. Community centered healing. Community centering. Right. And so, and so the baby's happy. The mom and dad are happy. I'm not saying people don't get stressed, but there's just this There is that feeling of love and feeling supported and also just very gracious and humble people. Mm -hmm. Always, like, I, you know, I'm sure there are people there that might not be quote-unquote nice, but everyone that I met there has this generosity of spirit that is just so beautiful. And, yeah, it's a great place. It is a beautiful place, for sure. It sounds like... The you perfect will. place for you. And and for you to be there with no agenda. <laughs> because, I mean, obviously, very obviously, you can see, like, the one thing that you wanted to do in the space where there are so many shamans mm-hmm. is to meet and work with a shaman. And for some reason, that just wasn't your experience mm-hmm. there at that time. Right. Right. Next but time, I, you'll probably get off the plane and, and be, like, escorted to, like, <laughs> shaman number one in Bali. Right. Yeah, you never know, <laughs> right? The right yeah, there's no... So it's not... They're not, like, ostentatious from what I can gather, so... Mm-hmm. I could have been commingling with shamans already and not knowing... You most definitely 
certainly <laughs> probably were. But that's it's still like shamanism is so interesting to me and to have the conversation about it is so interesting because I work with so many energy healers and and meditators and people who have founded energy healing modalities and things like that. And so it seems like a lot of people have a lot of different practices for traveling rounds and traveling, accessing different dimensions and, and different beings from different dimensions. Mm -hmm. And so how do you even categorize that into a word? How do you even say like, okay, everyone who can access angelic people or angelic realms or other dimensions are shamans because a lot of people don't identify with that word. Yeah. So this is a really interesting conversation to me. I would now I need to go meet a shaman. Which one? <laughs> the one organ. No, I just need a beautiful to one. Oh, I need to get her here. But I also have this thing where I don't know that it's entirely beneficial yeah. to go back to past lives, right? And access that experience again and again and again for some sort of connection with what you're facing in reality. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm just a, like a, a very fast moving sort of person. And I think it's because I came in with a lot of shit that I had to get rid of a lot of shit really quickly to be able to do and operate the way that I do. Mm-hmm. And so going back to past lives for me is sometimes feels similar to going, you know, back five years ago. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's like so little relevance yeah. because the opportunity to just release and move forward sure. is so much more enticing. And I think that it's actually accessible for a lot of people to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that some people are held back by the programming, by the belief systems, by the psychiatrists and the psychotherapists who are Let's look at your childhood and like, the way that your dad treated you and your mom and like, hello, like what human on this planet has had a perfect childhood and a perfect experience? No one. You can find faults if you like in every experience in, in some way. Mm-hmm. So what, in my opinion, like changing your perception of what that reality is to you is so much more powerful in moving forward with positive perceptions of your life and your existence and your experiences. And it's so much more joyful. Yeah. But maybe there are some things that need to be healed. Yeah. Maybe there are some things that, especially of recent past that may have, have happened that you're still holding on to, or maybe there's just something that needs to be deeply experienced to be released. Mm-hmm. And for that, I think that I definitely think that I can appreciate that, mm-hmm. but I do think that there are some, there are some healers and some shamans who just like, I mean, yeah, because it's still, if someone can tell you in this past life, you were a queen that was beheaded by a bunch of your knights who, and you were like the sexiest queen and like you had this like beautiful like romance like of course you're like oh my god tell me more (laughs) yes this is incredible like I have this past life like that's probably why I'm afraid of dying uh no you're afraid of dying because you are an animal and you're trying to stay alive (laughs) like that's why you're afraid of dying you know what I mean you've all had those experiences so you just have to like I really think that you need to be real with yourself and real with your needs and real with like what is stopping me from moving forward and to just be very honest with, with how you actually need to be healed to be your best self Mm -hmm. and, and to be complete and whole and, and like, how do you find real support for those things instead of just like someone who's tagging you along for, for a ride. Right. Yeah. So how do do you do you think that any of that's relevant? Yeah, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. And I think that's probably why I was initially a little resistant to it. And and like I said, when I first went to my session with Isa, I was not told that I was going to see a shaman. I was told I was going to see this woman who does really great healing work of some kind. <laughs> you know? Um I guess my thought on that is just that you will be led to the person that works the best for you, mm-hmm. you know, and some, some people might actually need that kind of work where what, you know, I was told that I had an entity attached to me. Okay. That 
was in exist was around since even before birth. Now, I don't know whether because I'm not a shaman and because I don't see those things, mm-hmm. I don't know for sure whether that's true. However, I do know that where she said she had done um, etheric surgery on uh-huh. me was super ass sore. <laughs> For seriously, I did nothing. She did to energetic this. surgery on you. Yes, and I'm, I'm already an energy healer, right? right? Worker, right? Bit, but I don't. This is not my my area of expertise. Mm-hmm. So for me, of course, I'm a little bit skeptical. But I'm telling you, I felt it was like I had banged my arm up against, or it was squished between like two Mack trucks. <laughs> it was really, really sore, and I didn't do anything else that day wow. except go to that session. So. Whatever you want. And she didn't touch me. Right. So, you know, it's like, okay, did I know that I, did I sense that there was an etheric attachment to me all those years? No. Not at all. Not that I knew of. And I had but plenty of body work. I had plenty of, of Reiki mm-hmm. from people. I had acupuncture from people. And nothing did that until I went to see her. Okay. So it's sort of like... Well, when you do energy work, are you accessing an etheric place? Are you just, is is your energy field different than your etheric field? Or your I think etheric they mean the body? same thing. I think that means so, sort of the same thing. So okay. do you think that if someone like yourself is very attached to being able to access an energy field, do you think that one of your other really good practitioners should have been able to see that something was blocked in that field. I don't there. know. See, that's mm-hmm. the thing. I don't know. It's it's sort of like until you're exposed to something, you might not have the senses to pick up on it. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's sort of like when we're exposed to sunlight, you know, our eyes be, or we're exposed to certain colors, our eyes become attuned to picking up on that. Whereas if the, I think they did studies on a can't remember what kind of animal it was, but if you take an animal and you don't expose them to sunlight over several generations, they'll be born blind. So it's sort of like that. If you don't have the exposure to those things, then you won't develop the sense to pick up on it. Doesn't mean it's not there. It just means you don't have the sense. So it's 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 sort of like that. I just that's why I want to the shaman right. because you know. I, is there I, something you're not seeing? Is there something mm-hmm. I'm not seeing? And it's all in service of it truly, truly, my life purpose is to end unnecessary suffering. And if there's some way I can do that, that and do that better, mm-hmm. then I want to learn. So I don't have that ability yet to see those kind of things. And, and quite frankly, I'm a little bit freaked out by it. Like, I've heard some crazy crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've heard some, like... Things about, you know, octopus entities and all, you know, you go into mm-hmm. these different... Like, I don't know if I'm fully there yet in mm-hmm. terms of wanting to experience all of that. Uh, I do think that I have a really deep desire to be able to see energy with my eyes. You know, I can feel it, and I've seen an aura once ever. Wow. Which was super cool. It was very clear. Like, there was no doubt in my mind that that's what I was seeing. What setting was it in? This was after, this was years ago in the meditation, and then we were doing this, was like a dolphin meditation? This probably was about seven or eight years ago, and we were in a room doing this meditation, I was probably kind of new to meditation at that point, and, but I was really just open, like just super open, sitting there doing whatever the person was telling us to do, and I remember, it was with my friend Kara. I open my eyes, and I look over at the woman who's leading the meditation, and there is, like, green around her. Like, super, I'm not talking about, like, oh, it's a little shadow of green. It was, like, it was, like, emerald green. Like, really. Wow. And I was just, I looked, and then I looked, <laughs> you know, I looked, and then I looked at everyone else, like, do you see that? <laughs> like, looking around, then everyone had their eyes closed, except for me, so I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just close my eyes again, but it was so crazy. That was the first wow. time it happened, and really the only time, unfortunately. I haven't. So you couldn't you couldn't figure out what state of mind or in which way you were looking to be able to no, get there. No, I had no clue. No. I was no, I was just I was just there. like, and that's kind of probably the best state to be in, right? right. Like where you just there's no expectations, yeah. but because of that, you're also not blocking it. Mm-hmm. So I was just totally open to it, and I was like, what? And then 
I haven't seen one in that way since. I've definitely sensed things before. Um, I've had things move through me. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I can feel in my body what someone is feeling. That happens a lot. And that's happened since I went to school. So that's cool. <laughs> but I want to also be able to see. Right. Know? I've had some shamans tell me, maybe you don't want to see everything. You know, like maybe you, you might, there's things you might not want to see that once you open that up, you can't take Close away. It. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure Be that, careful about the contracts that you make. Right. With that realm. Yeah. 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 I guess. But yeah. So I think all... the contracts are so real. What do you mean? I think that when you state an intention that you want to see something or you say, use me for this purpose, I'm willing and available, I believe that that is heard. Sure. Because I've seen things shift when I've agreed to see things from new perspectives or to be shown a different Mm -hmm. way or to be utilized for for the highest purpose. Sure. I've just seen things shift very quickly Mm -hmm. just based on that conscious intention intention and agreement Mm, yeah and I know other people who will maybe mention on the podcast later themselves who have had experiences after saying like whatever you got for me I'm like sign me up yeah for sure for oh my gosh that happens to me in a lot of areas of my life in this particular area I think it's exactly what I'm saying, where it's like, I want it. But you're not ready to say But I might not be ready to... Uh to, And you know what? Maybe that's not the best use of my energy for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know? Because it's not about ego for me. It's not about, I want this power. It's just about wanting to serve in a... uh, Your highest capacity. Yeah, in my highest capacity, maybe that's not the way, you know? So I'm not super attached to it. Do I think it's freaking awesome heck yeah like i want to yeah <laughs> and do i want to show up like to that shaman who can see all that shit yeah i do yeah yeah it is so interesting yeah. all of this is interesting yeah healing sure. is really interesting and um this life existence is very interesting mm-hmm. and we're we're being given you know just For example, like, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you were called to hear this information. It's not something that happened by chance that you were researching something that we are talking about or you happen to know about Raw Republic or me or Noel or, you know, it's not by chance that you have heard every single thing that we've said or maybe you've only heard one thing that we've said. Nothing is happening um, just for something that's insignificant mm. there is something majorly significant to every There's energy moment. behind it for sure yes mm-hmm. and i think when people start paying attention to that and expressing gratitude and appreciation for this existence that they've been given more joy comes in more energy comes in mm-hmm. more um more authenticity for their experience is shown and then when you start taking action on those things that are destined for your visuals or for your hearing then more of those Mm -hmm. you know signs and um, more of those opportunities will begin showing up to you because you are saying I'm taking action. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing. I'm listening. Thank you for that sign. Thank you for that piece of information. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for this person. I'm on board for this ride. And I'm a party to it, but I'm also not responsible for for almost any of it. Something bigger is. Like, Mm -hmm. all you have to do sometimes is to just say yes. Mm -hmm. That's why life is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And it's scary sometimes, too. And not easy sometimes, Well, I too. think, yeah. But it's so awesome. I mean, to me, what the truth that I keep coming back to really is love. And I know it sounds cheesy, and I know that so many of us... <laughs> well, so, so many of us have, you know, so love. What if someone told me, because I have love-based medicine, they're like, that sounds sexual. And I'm like, really? Oh, gosh. Who cares? Not. But, <laughs> right. But it's like, it's, it's truly... This is what I have come to over the past probably year or so 
it's if you look at nature, which is the ultimate teacher, right, on how to live, the things that create thriving, I'm not talking about what, you know, let's not talk about sickness, I'm talking about when things thrive. When we as human beings thrive, it's love. That's what makes us thrive. Yes. So if that makes us thrive, then to me, that means that that's the way to live. Yes. And anything, again, that isn't in line with that will cause, you know, sickness or illness or disease. And we're learning more and more now that some of the things that these, you know, things like what were in the Bible, which is, has been used to oppress people, and, you know, there's lots of, there's some negative things about, about you know, the Crusades mm-hmm. and all these terrible things that happened. Mm-hmm. But some of the wisdom on that about love and the power of connection and all those kind of things, we're now learning through science that actually do promote health. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's my mother. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> she loves you. <laughs> no, but yeah. Yes. So it's so it's like yes, there are all these beautiful ways to move energy and things like that. But we have the ability to tap into that divine source of energy, which to me is love. If love creates thriving, and to me that is again, mom. I love you so much. Oh, but I do tell you when I do tell you when I'm busy. Love you. (laughs) You're talking about love, though. My mom just called. I know. (laughs) Twice. It's going to happen again. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But so, I mean, you know, so love-based medicine is my thing. And it's it's not to say that it's that simple in terms of, of that I think that that's all you need. But I do think it is so foundational that we need to go there first before we go to nutrition, even nutrition, like before we do all those Definitely. things, it's got to be the foundation of it. Definitely. If you look at the, if you look at longevity studies and all these studies that I'm reading, the, the feeling of being loved and supported is way more powerful than even, you know, whether you smoke cigarettes or something like that when it comes to Absolutely. longevity and things like can all these, these illnesses. So, you know, have you, so I think that's, have you, that's probably, that's where we can, I think starting there will sort of eliminate mm-hmm. the need for all these other things. I think the other things are super fascinating. And as a, as a, a healer, sometimes, you know, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist. So sometimes it's hard for me to speak about that until I've moved some energy with someone and then they're already in rapport with me. And then maybe we can talk about that in their lives and, and how, um, and how they feel about themselves and how they feel about, you know, who's, who's around them and supports them. How do they feel about their relationships with their family and with their friends? And that's why I said, I mentioned my being, you know, in my bio and I said, I want people to feel love in their bodies and, um, but also with their tribe mm-hmm. because I think that's so important. So important. You know, I think Albert Einstein was was attributed to saying this, but it might have been proven false because there's all these quotes that have been attributed to Albert Einstein that are not real apparently really? on the internet. Yeah. But it's something about, you know, one of the one of the most important decisions we have to make in this world is whether we live in a friendly universe or not. And I think that I love when that we quote. come from let's right. hope he said it. <laughs> <laughs> when we come from that place of feeling like everybody you know, sometimes feeling like everybody's an enemy is actually it's a defense mechanism that's justified because poor people have been, you know, abused and, and tor- you know, have experienced hardship. So they right. have to feel that way. And so it's Before justified. Right. So it's justified. However, it's not, it's not healthy. It's not beneficial. It's not helping right. you move forward or well, operate in a way that is... harming your... It actually yes. causes physical harm to your body. It hurts your immune system. It creates, you know an atmosphere of dis-ease in the body. And so is it justified? Yes. Is it beneficial and good for you? No. Because we are meant, you know, our bodies thrive when we're in that state of well-being and right. love. So however we can get there, sometimes it's a, the path is, is long and windy and, you know, we have to go through a lot of pain before we can get to that place. But ultimately, I think that's the place where we're feeling true like lasting healing happens when we can get to that place where we love ourselves 
and we are surrounded by loving people and we don't view the world as, as scary and harmful and the people are our enemies, we will draw into our experience more of the same, you know? And that's when we get in the flow. And that's when life becomes beautiful. And that's when your health becomes radiant. That's so awesome. That's a really good point to end on with Noel. Our beautiful little acupuncturist, Shakaju therapist, healer of many ways and workshop leader, guider of infinite possibilities. You're so awesome, Noel. That really was an amazing way to end this podcast. Thank you. Love is the primary, it's the it's the beginning, it's the end, it's the everything yes. for everything. And, and reason for being. Noelle gives such amazing tips on her Instagram page and her Facebook page, so you can always find her there. Uh, state your Instagram so that people can find you. Oh, it's well, it's Love Based Medicine. Love Based Medicine. Yes. And we spell Noelle N O E L L, and her last name is Eanes, E A N E S. You can visit her at Raw Republic. Definitely follow her on Instagram. Um, She's an amazing, beautiful child of the universe, and you will definitely be hearing more from her and I. So tune in next time. Have a great, beautiful, love-centered night, everyone. Bye. Bye.